What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Born Money Show. It's your host, Mr. Born Money, and I'm here with actually a really good friend, uh, DK. And today we're going to be talking about building like an infinite banking concept on the blockchain. Now, infinite banking was not a new concept to me, but Katie, when he, I was at a I was at a live event and he went up there to speak and. When I tell you, like, so many light bulbs went off in my head, like, it was many explosion upon explosions. And I was just thinking, I could visually see how I needed to essentially set up this system uh, based on the way that I like to invest and what my own plans were with my own finances. Uh, so we ended up connecting, got a policy set up with them. And it's like, now I have like my own, like, mini family banking system in place with my own family and how money flows and what we do with capital as soon as we make money and where those things are being distributed through our own mini ecosystem and he was really the person that inspired that so i wanted to bring him on give you guys an opportunity to just kind of hear his story and really get the wealth of wisdom that this man has so now what i want to do is clearly communicate that this is not financial advice by any means whatsoever all I'm doing is sharing what's worked for me, some of the investments principles that I've learned over the years. And this is for pure entertainment purposes. If you're seeking financial advice, if you have issues with your own portfolio, seek a financial advisor, somebody who's licensed and who's qualified to be able to meet you at your unique needs. This is just for educational purposes and same purposes only. Katie, I'm gonna kick it over to you, man. Where, where, how did you get started? Like, how did you even discover infinite banking? How did you get into um, setting up these policies and, and and things like that? Share share us a little bit about your background. Sure, man. Well, thanks for having me. First of all, um, you know, it's it's always hard for me when people say like, "Hey, like, how did you get to where you are?" And I'm like, "Well, it's not a two minute conversation, right?" Like. I had a background in the military and I try to make this as compressed as possible, but I didn't come from money, right? Like I came from a, a household where my dad was a, a postal worker. He actually just retired. Um, and my mom was a stay at home artist. So I didn't come from knowing what wealth was. Right. Yeah. And I actually joined the military to help pay for like pay for my own college. So I didn't put that burden on my parents. So at a very young age, I understood what scarcity looked like. Okay. So fast forward, maybe basically a decade. Okay. I went through the military, got out, realized I didn't want to work for somebody else the rest of my life, especially in, in the government. Okay. Whole nother subject. <laughs> and then I got into financial services. Okay. So I did Prudential, Wells Fargo, and I got into health insurance a little bit. And I kind of bounced around from different firms, um, even worked for Northwestern Mutual for a while. And I realized that I didn't like the entire narrative that they had, which was, hey, sit down, write down a list of your friends and family. Let's let's get them in here. Let's talk to them. And they really just want to get into your little black book of referrals and then put their assets, their money into their umbrella, right? Manage yeah. money. So it's all about taking their money and putting it with their house. Do people get returns from that? Yeah, sure. Okay. You know, do they lose money from that? Yeah, they do. Do they have to pay management fees? Yeah, they do. So very quickly I realized, hey, I really don't think that this is like the way that the wealthy are doing this because there was a day where I ran to a guy at a, at a gas station. Um, he had a Ferrari and I was like, man, what do you do? And he's like, I run a private equity firm and I, I own like three different businesses. He didn't say, I've got all my money sitting with Wells Fargo, right? I was like, mm, okay. Yeah. 
So I started to explore the business world and I started to, you know, at this point I still had all my licenses. I was still managing money, but for somebody else. And um, ultimately, dude, it just kind of led me down a path where I broke off. I got my own license, my own firm um, set up and I started doing things on my own. And I started just traveling, networking, meeting people that own businesses. And what was very apparent is that like, I love that you use the word ecosystem. I started asking questions and getting into people's kind of like their, their world that owned, you know, multiple businesses, multiple million dollar a year revenues. Um, and it was very clear that they all had their own private ecosystem of assets that they controlled. And then yeah. we can get into the conversation about taxation, trusts, right? Insurance policies, corporate entities. And really that's kind of the story is that I just met people. I ran my own business. I learned as much as I could. And it is, it, it, it almost today has turned into this narrative that people are like, oh, well, the wealthy, the elite, the wealthy, the elite. And you almost hear it. It's like overused. You get a lot of people that are doing infinite banking that have like a year of experience, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah do, do what the wealthy do. I'm like, yeah, infinite banking isn't the only thing you should be teaching, though, right? So um, it is a staple. It is an amazing strategy, not a product. But that's ultimately what's led me to here, which is working with you know celebrities, athletes, entertainers, business owners on how to set that stuff up because – it's actually curious to me how more people don't have it set up and they just have, um, you know, traditional bank accounts. So, yeah. Now I kind of unpacked that a little bit. I know when we were, uh, what blew my mind the most was honestly like the power of just like the compounding effect that takes place. Yeah. You know, I mean, I tell people first thing to need to focus on is keeping their ex fixed expenses fixed and just increasing their value to the marketplace so that they can earn more money to even start having these conversations. Right. It's hard to talk about compounding and building wealth over five to 10, 20 years if you're yep. broke yep. <laughs> and trying to figure out how to pay rent, right? So get your expenses fixed and then increase your value to the marketplace so that you can have those options. You know, people talk about being free for me, I want the options to ultimately do whatever I want because I don't want to retire, but I would like to choose where I focus my time and attention. So can you unpack that a little bit as far as like what would a well-structured ecosystem looks like for somebody who's a business owner? I mean, a lot of the listeners are entrepreneurs and service providers who have their own businesses. What would it look like to start to even set something like this up if they're in that situation. Well, you had a great point. And that's actually one of the biggest things I teach is mindset and education first. When people say, well, how should I invest? Where should I invest? It's much like when people are like, hey, how do I get super jacked? And I'm like, well, let's talk about your diet first, not what to eat and what's, or not what to lift and what supplements to take, right? Like diet yeah. and mindset. It doesn't matter what diet you have if you can't stick to it, right? So it's a, it's a discipline and a dopamine thing. And ultimately, I, I really want to hash on this real quick. People's disciplines with money is actually way more important than infinite banking, crypto, how your taxes are set up. Because if you your disciplines are so bad that every time you raise your income level, you have to raise your expenses level to look and feel good, right? If the McLaren is going to break your bank account, but you just have to have it because you just have to have it, you're never going to yeah. become actually wealthy. I know a lot of guys that are um, they look like they're doing really good, but their expenses are maxed out. So it's like... Burn rate is it needs to be you need to be at about 20% of all your expenses are 20% business and personal of what you're making. 
and you're investing that in between, right? So yeah, ecosystem. I mean, and that's an important point. That's why uh, for me, when I say like you got to keep your expenses fixed uh-huh. as you make yourself more valuable, so that you can start creating this gap. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A lot of people, and I really just talked about it in a recent episode, like when they make more money and then they spend more money. So they're just as broke as they were when they were making yep. $50,000 a year as yep. they are now making like a hundred or $150,000 a year. Yeah. So it's broke driving a nicer car. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, that's an important concept It's just like the, the ratio, right? Uh, it's not about like the fixed dollar amount, but it's really like the ratio. So that you recommend really keeping all expenses, down to 20%. And once you're at that threshold, then start investing the access and really being right. disciplined with doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, and you have opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, listen, you got guys like Alex Ramosi that says, hey, drive a beater, don't have a car payment at all. I don't necessarily yeah. agree with that mindset either because that'll keep you feeling broke, right? You, there's a certain middle ground where you can have the feeling of, okay, I'm driving a decent car, but it's not a $1,700 a month McLaren car payment, right? So, yeah. Falling somewhere in the middle, then you guys, you know, you got guys on the other end of the spectrum. They're like, hey, you need to be financing super nice stuff. But again, are you being financially disciplined? So, you know, people, only people know their actual numbers. And I think that it's important for them to look at, okay, well, where am I actually at? Like taking inventory of income and expenses and then going from there. And like you said, the goal is just to keep finding ways to add more streams of income or up your income, but don't overfinance your life. Like we live in a very overfinanced, like, Everything's always in your face. The bigger houses, the nicer cars, and everybody has access to go get that when they really can't afford yeah. it. So the last thing on this, and then we'll jump back into kind of the infinite banking. When it comes to disciplines, I always say this. If you look at um, how you're actually purchasing things or financing things, if you're paying for the nice house and the nice cars out of interest earned and spun off of your assets or business – it should be a, t- a third tier of like, hey, I've got an asset or a business that's making money. That money is put into something else that's making money, usually infinite banking because it's liquid. Then out of the infinite banking, you go into another asset, you make money, and you're recycling those profits back through your ecosystem. Then from all of that profit you're making, you buy the stuff. You don't buy yeah. the stuff out of, oh, I made 10000 this month. Let me go finance a $6,500 a month house payment. That's that's really the key. Yeah, so, I love that because... Um and it's funny, and this is why I was really looking forward to having you on, because we have the same kind of values when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. I call it like the waterfall effect, where it's like, ultimately, like, I don't, I want the money that I make to make more money and make more money and make more money. And then from that money, my expenses get covered. Right. Right. So setting up your financial ecosystem where, honestly, like, you have to, it's important for me to have a plan of where the money is going to go. Because mm-hmm. I found for me, if I don't have a plan for where that money is going to go and how I'm going to allocate it, then it's going to go to somebody else and fund their dreams, yeah. their lifestyle, <laughs> and help them reach their goals. Right. So uh, the mindset and that discipline is very, very important. But I think it's also important to really kind of have um, an idea of like, what would it look like? And how should you set it up to where you're allocating funds, even setting it aside like, hey, once I reach this threshold, I want to set set something like this up and right. really start um, honestly securing my finances and setting things up in a way where I do have assets producing income, producing assets that continue to produce more income. Right. Yeah. And that's again, that's the thing is that if we have 
someone that has an extra two or three hundred dollars a month and that's all they have, I say, you don't need to be setting anything up right now, right? You need to maximize how much you're actually putting into a savings account. Again, it goes back to disciplines. But once somebody has an extra three, five, seven, a thousand, two thousand dollars a month, and they're just doing business with the bank at this point, right? Like I yeah. have I have assets and businesses and, and things and investments all over the place. I have at all times probably no more than 25 to 30 grand in one bank account and then another 10 in one. And that's for like emergencies, right? Like mm-hmm. something massive happens or I need to go do a, you know, pay for a hot water heater immediately that weekend. Um, Cause with infinite banking, you know, it's about a two to three day process that your money goes from your, your policy back to your bank account and you have liquid cash again. So, you know, you should keep cash in the bank, but not so much so that, you know, you're not earning interest off of it. So, the whole game is interest. The two things that always yeah. break people's wealth, long-term wealth is taxes mm-hmm. and interest. Interest paid to other parties. So like you said, you're basically filling up other people's buckets of, of wealth, right? Um, exactly. Thanks. So um, I mean, what, would you like me to kind of go into just like the ecosystem of infinite banking and how it works specifically so people can kind of get a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was very fascinating when you were talking about just um, – really how honestly if you can instead of paying interest to the bank you figure out how to pay interest to yourself mm-hmm. right and recapture just that interest that you're paying to other things and you start putting it into like your own your own banking system right right just doing that and maintaining the discipline of doing that over enough a long enough time time horizon allows right. you to really get to a point where you're mm-hmm. financially independent financially free What's going on? I wanted to take this time to quickly interrupt this video or this podcast. If you found this helpful and you're interested in getting started investing on the blockchain, we have an incredible program called the Born Money System inside of our Wealth Sanctum. What we do is we'll guarantee you'll produce cash flow within the first 30 days of setting up your first digital cash flow and real estate on the blockchain or you don't pay. So if you're interested in that, there'll be a link somewhere in the show notes for you to be able to apply and schedule a free strategy session where we can look at your portfolio, look at your financials and figure out what would be the best and most efficient way to deploy capital on the blockchain to guarantee cash flow. Hope to see you on the inside. Back to the show. You know, and one of the fascinating things is, and actually this just popped in my mind because I was thinking about this yesterday when I was talking with a, a client. Most people hear the word compounding and I don't think they actually understand what it means. And if you've seen, there's like a chart where it's if you doubled a penny every single day for 30 days, how much would you have? And they did like yeah. tests on this. They did actual quizzes with people and, and did a data scrape. And what they found was that 95% of people guessed so under grossly underguessed how much money they will have at the end of 30 days. People were saying th- things like $25 or like, you know, if you double a penny for 30 days, you'll have $150. It's a million. It's like a million something dollars that you have yeah. at the end of the days because once you get to that third week, those doubles, the compounding on the doubles and the doubles of your money, and that's what it's people like don't get. Growth. Yes, it just all of a sudden goes parabolic. So, what people don't realize is that again, we live in a dopamine based dopamine based society to where we're not taught to think long term. We're taught to think about next weekend, next month, next year, and that's it. So, with compounding. When you earn interest, it gets stacked on what you already had in the bucket, and then you earn interest on that total, and then you earn that stacked on top of the bucket, and that grows. And then that just keeps going and going and going like a snowball. The cool thing with infinite banking is this, is you're literally operating like banks do, 
Okay, so look up Boley and Coley for those listening. Bank-owned life insurance, corporate-owned life insurance. These are real things done by massive corporations. The caveat is, is that you have to understand contractually how to set it up. So you need to work with somebody that has experience. They can't just be, oh, he's got a life insurance license and he sells some insurance. Chances are 95% of agents don't know how to do this because they have no experience. So you have to set it up like a corporate structure, meaning you're not structuring a policy on a person or entity for a death benefit. Now, because it's based in life insurance, you're just going to accidentally get a death benefit along with your build. But you're stuffing as much cash as you can on an annual basis into a policy or account. With that account, you can take a loan against the value to still go use the money you put in there to invest in crypto, to buy a a multifamily um, home purchase, to put a down payment on a house that you want for your family. But that money that you're using is being leveraged, leveraged through a policy first forever. So this is where people get hung up. People get hung up on, well, if I take a loan against my money, isn't that money coming out? How am I still earning interest on it? So when you go to the bank and you put $100 in a savings account, that $100 is just digital air at that point. Okay. Yeah. As you walk out that front door in the ledger system, in the, the bank vault that's digital, that, that money's being loaned out over and over. They already, they already loaned it out to like 10 different people. Yeah. So the principle is, is that you're, you're earning interest inside the account. And when you take a loan, the insurance company is giving you money. Your money doesn't actually leave the account. And then you get people that say, well, but you're going to pay interest on that. That's a whole, that's a fallacy. And that's not true. That's not how it works. Well, it is. When you look at compounding interest within your policy, and if you take a loan, you get socked a very small, simple interest loan. And if, if it, that's if you have it out for 365 days. Most people, if you use this the right way, you don't even really ever pay that much interest on your money. I always tell people, hey, listen, do you want to, do you want to earn 6.5% compounding? And at the end of the year, you paid 1% or 2% out of that 6 to use your money, where else can you go put your money, earn an interest rate, use it at the same time, and guess what? Not pay taxes. Yeah. I have still yet to have anybody come to me and say, oh yeah, I found something else. So yeah. for me, the way that I the reason why I love this so much is because my rule ultimately is if the interest rate that I'm paying on debt that I'm using to acquire assets, right, is really no longer debt's leverage. Right. So if I'm taking that leverage out. If that interest rate is less than inflation, I'm taking my sweet time paying it off. Yep. Right? Yep. So I'm taking my sweet time paying it off because so long as I'm getting a higher return on the levers that I've taken, right? I don't have to worry about like paying that down as much as possible. Now you get, you add the fact that the money original uh, principle that I put into this account is continuing to earn compound interest. Yep. And the leverage that I took against it, the interest I have to pay back on it is less than what I'm earning on my account. Now it's like I have many different ways that's pay, that, that I can pay that down. Yep. Right. So long as what I'm investing in is going to produce a higher return than the interest that I'm paying, it's still a net positive gain because yep. I, I have to factor in the interest that I'm earning on the policy that's compounding on top of it, the returns that I'm making on this asset that I've acquired. Yep. Yeah. And we recur, we refer to that as the velocity of money, right? Like you just having your money moving in general, um, is powerful, but 
if you can have it moving in multiple places at once, and now you're creating, like, we keep saying the word ecosystem. It's really what it really is. You've got your central banking system, your higher rate of return, you got a couple different assets, and you're just cycling money back through all these places that's earning you interest, staying away from the bank. So, yeah. you know, I tell, I tell people all the time, if you really listen to, you know, people like Alex Ramosi or other people in the, in the quote-unquote industry that have made money and talk about it, they all talk about these different ways of doing things. Um, and I will say, on a kind of a neutral or negative note, the biggest thing that I think is the the downer with infinite banking is that it's attached to insurance. I always say, like, if, if infinite banking was a strategy that was attached to, to real estate, like a HELOC, mm-hmm. everybody would do it. Because for whatever reason, people have a preconceived notion that, well, insurance or some insurance is a scam or there's got to be something wrong with it. And it's like, well, yes and no. I mean, you can you can make a bad house purchase, too. It all comes down to the structure and the nature of the the the, uh, the contract. So 100 percent, you know, I'm like and it's really being able to use the tools that are available to you. Right. The way that I've kind of set it up, because I was already uh, invested on the blockchain and, and had cash flowing assets mm-hmm. on a blockchain. So to, now I was originally the way that I had my system set up was our active income gets deployed on the blockchain to produce cash flow. And then the next step was like a question mark as far as like, what do I do with that cash flow that's being produced? And initially I was compounding it mm-hmm. to produce more cash flow. But then um, when I was introduced to this concept, I was like, okay, cool. Now I know where that, what that next step is, mm-hmm. right? So now the cash flow from, the blockchain is going towards funding this. And then once the cash balance builds up, next step for me is actually using that to acquire real estate. Mm-hmm. And then um, as the rental income is coming from real estate, I was actually going to be rolling that back into uh, the policy and just kind of have this like this infinite money glitch <laughs> where yep. cash was rolling into the, in the policy, cash flow from real estate is rolling in. And then as that builds up, just rinse and repeat use that to acquire more assets and just continue to build that up until until I reach uh, my legacy wealth goal, right. Your goal, uh, which right. we're not going to be like crazy far off of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know what, I man, I'm going to take the time to give you a compliment because the one thing I loved about working with you is that you already pretty much knew exactly how this worked. You already had done your research. You already you know read the books and you, you're smart enough to be like, hey, I've got this, this and this, and this is how these things piece together. Um, and there's nothing wrong with someone that doesn't have that figured out. It's just sometimes the um, the mental adoption of that entire ecosystem takes some people six, nine, 12 months to really grasp. And that's OK. Um, but it's, it is. It's a pleasure working with somebody that, hey, I can just kind of show this and say, here's how it works. You kind of figured it out and said, hey, let's 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 do this. Let's grow. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's really ultimately having people wrap their mind around how this stuff works is really the biggest barrier for most people. It's, well, I've never heard of this before. I think I've heard of it, but I heard it was a scam. And that's with anything. Crypto, same thing, right? One big thing I would love to touch on is this idea of, um, because I have crypto assets as well, and I think a lot of people assume when somebody's like more of the traditional financial guy, which I always tell people, I'm actually not. I don't sit in a cubicle and sell mutual funds, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, look at me, for God's sakes. <laughs> like, I don't look like the traditional guy. And I'm very the box. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Um, with that said, I love the idea of, so like you take a little bit of money and you risk it to make a lot. Cryptocurrency, you can make a little bit, a lot of money from a little bit with a little bit of risk. Sure. Sure. You could lose it, but you could also make a lot. The yeah. principle of getting wealthy is that the principle of staying wealthy is taking the, a lot that you just made, moving it to a structure where you can make a little bit of interest with a lot less risk 
yeah. for a long period of time, right? So, yeah, because as it starts to build, and that's for me, that's where I kind of realized. Um, so I had the question mark on where is that next step as far as like capital allocation? Because for me, I'm like, it doesn't make sense to continue to roll uh-huh. as much funds as I was onto the blockchain, right? I'm right. way too over leveraged on one on one class. Now there's lots of different ways you can kind of diversify on the blockchain, but at the same, you're still on the blockchain, right? Uh-huh. Um, so I was like, I need to, I need to figure out a way to start to kind of deleverage the risk that I have on one on one vertical and start to expand right. it so that I have a lot more options when it when it comes to that. Right. Now you had a a, a fascinating um, point that you made about when it comes to like taxes and how you can kind of really reduce your tax liability. I'm definitely not at the level that you had mentioned where it's like you can completely if you really wanted to, you could completely eliminate your entire tax liability. Uh, it does take some extreme steps, but for somebody starting out, what's going to be the best way for them to, I mean, what are the things that you're looking for? What are the things that you recommend somebody focus on building up to before they even start to honestly waste your time trying to have conversations about what it will look like to get started? Like what, it, what are those requirements for you uh, to work with somebody? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of depends. I mean, it, if they're coming from a tax perspective and they're like, hey, I just want to learn like how to save some taxes. And I, I'm just very blunt with people. I say, hey, just find a local good CPA that people recommend because there's nothing that I'm going to be able to do if you're at a certain level that they can't do, right? Like I'm not a CPA. I got a team. I have people that I can refer. But the real thing is, is if you're if you're at 200000 in personal income a year, you're just now starting to get to the point where you're like, okay, I, I definitely, you know, if you don't have your tax strategy set up, right, a good, you know, C-Corp, S-Corp, whatever, write-offs, depending yeah. on the nature of their business, you know, somebody that just runs the internet business out of their, their bedroom or somebody that owns a trucking company are going to have two very different strategies. But that's still playing the write-off game, okay? When people get to a point where, let's say their business is cash flowing three or four million a year after expenses and they're taking home 500, 600K a year, you need to start looking into trust structures and things that can not only a shelter your assets if somebody were to sue you, right? Like LLC is not a protection against lawsuit. It's just you know it's a, a it's a lawsuit coming. Um, and what happens is is that you you get advice from CPAs that they're kind of at this level and they can kind of protect your stuff and they can kind of help save on taxes. But you have to kind of take a step yeah. up, work with an attorney team that handles trust structures, irrevocable trust structures. And you don't have to go to the extreme extreme of, hey, stepping into the sovereignty world and revoking all of your tax elections. Like those things are available to you. But I tell people, most people, you're probably not going to benefit from that because there's actually a list of cons that come across with that, too. You know, when you do a bunch of things in, in that world, then you might have to totally change how you operate with financing and getting loans and things like that. So for most people, if they're above four to five hundred K in personal take home income, what they need to be doing is looking into setting up a proper trust structure. And that's kind of the point where if they don't have trust in place, infinite banking, corporate entities that will help offset all that tax, you can get your taxes down to four to six percent if you do it the right way. And it's, you know, you don't have to do anything fringe and go against the IRS. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, um, there are small selective people who make a ton of money uh, working like a regular W-2 job where they don't really have a ton of options in terms of taxes because they get have to pay the taxes right when they're getting paid 
-hmm. right? So that's automatically deducted from the paycheck. Yep. What would you recommend for somebody coming from that background? Because a lot of the listeners, a few of them are actual like high earners, sure. uh, hiring W-2s that may be interested in having something like this in place for them. Yeah. Well, and you can still, there are ways, um, it just depends on, again, how fringe they want to get. There are ways to have your, your election status changed and then they actually don't take taxes out of your W-2 check. Um, sometimes you get, you might get some pushback from the employer or whatever, but as soon as you come with legal documents and say, Hey, no, this is how I'm my CPA, my, my attorneys are setting up my finances. They can actually stop taking taxes out of your check. And then you, you do set up that trust structure to where you can basically form an LLC and now you're, you're not paying taxes. And then you do the whole strategy with, you know, setting up the, the trust and having your, your full income without taxes go into the trust. And then you're just paying taxes out of the trust. So it's a little bit more of a fight to get that done for people that are like, I don't want to go through all that. I would just recommend, again, having the best CPA you can find, doing your taxes the normal way, but then the money that you are making, how do you best leverage that? How do you make sure that you're paying yourself interest? How do you make sure that you're you know, making your money work for you and not just income in, income out, savings account? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Where, so where can people find you, man? If someone wanted to dive into your world, continue to just kind of consume content from you, find out more about your business and what you guys are about, where, where are they able to, to, to check out? Yeah, most most active. My, my buddies just had me make a Twitter and all that. Twitter and LinkedIn because I wasn't on those platforms. But uh, I'm uh, on Instagram, Hutch's underscore legacy. So H-U-T-C-H-S underscore legacy. Um, and on Facebook, it's just DK Hutch. So... As a picture. Of okay. What I'll do is I'll have the team include those things in the okay. show notes. Cool. Just give me the links. And if there's anything like any kind of report or anything like that, that you think would be helpful for uh, the listeners to download or anything like that, I will sure. include those, those resources in the show notes so that those of you guys who are listening, whether you're on YouTube, uh, Spotify, podcast, whatever it is, wherever you're hearing it, go ahead and like subscribe, leave us a comment and then check out the show notes to find out more information on everything that uh, Katie has to offer. If you found this video helpful, chances are you're gonna find a ton of value in our Boring Money community where I'm in there live, actively sharing articles, market updates, and just uh, educating you on what's going on in the market real time. So if you don't wanna wait for another one of these episodes or another video training to come out and you wanna have live updates on what's happening in the market, go ahead and join the Boring Money community where you can have access to us and be able to ask any questions that you want and potentially even get featured in an episode. Till next time, hope to see you on the inside.